Support for Podcast by Night is provided by Midnight Syndicate. To learn more, please visit MidnightSyndicate.com. Welcome back to Podcast by Night. My name's John. I'm Jen. And we're going to continue our conversation about the Ventru that we started last episode. And I just, I mean, these guys are fascinating as all hell, so I hope you stick around for it. I find them fascinating. It gets into my deep, deep, deep love of Roman history. I have to love it deeply right now. I'm too committed at this point. Where we left off last time... We were discussing about how the Ventru are still, to this day, one of the most influential clans of the Camarilla. Or Camarilla, for everybody out there. <laughs> yeah, I know. The debate is deep. Camarilla or Camarilla. You know, I, 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 being that we live in California, I like to respect the fact that it's the double L Spanish you know, why sound. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yes, uh, as we said, you know, they've spent the better part of the last two millennia building up an influence network. Uh, we kind of reviewed that the last time around, this kind, this concept of the familia and how the familia would go about creating networks of influence and patrons and clients. And, you know, vampires being what they are, those vampires often are still around and those networks all still exist and they've all been built up over all these centuries and consequently the ventru are well they're experts at the game of influence in and in the masquerade in a way that few of the other clans are the ventru are they are just the kings of moving in shadows in terms of controlling humans and the different areas of influence that humans have uh, access to. Right. They've, as we've said last time, they definitely found their ways to control whatever the power structure was of the time. Uh, and obviously in the modern nights, it's corporations, it's unions, it's politicians. And they've definitely had, like we said, two millennia to build up the, the groundwork for this network building like few other clans have yeah and the venture are probably second only to the tremere in terms of how their clan structure is built because their clan structure is built to reflect this um influence network they built for themselves and they've had to do that because that influence network is huge and they need to be able to control it effectively and in a way that is both malleable depending on the situations they're in, but also can uh, be salvageable should someone mysteriously go missing or die. You know, you don't want to lose that influence. So Clan Venture is a highly structured, very regimented clan. And again, it goes back to that Roman concept of the familia, but also to this idea called the um, Cursus Honorium. Which basically is like honorable course. Uh, it's it was a Roman concept of uh, the elite classes had a particular 
career ladder, shall we say, that they had to climb in order to gain status in society. And if you're a male of a noble or up-and-coming family, you followed the different rungs of the career ladder uh, to gain power in Rome. And each rung was a different you know, a different kind of office you could have. And it was a toss up between military and public because in Roman life, they went together. And so that cursus honorum is what is the basis for clan venture structure to this very night. It's that idea of everybody comes into the clan, you all come in at a certain level and you have to work your way up the ladder and you have to hold these certain positions if you're going to have a particular path within the clan yes it's a very time-tested and time-honored way of sort of progressing one's influence be it your sire or the clan at large by essentially like you know olden times where you have two sons and one goes and carries on the family name etc and the other one goes and joins the church because at the time those were the two seats of power, religion and, you know, your namesake, especially if you were a noble. This is a, this is a definitely a continuation of the idea that, like you said, public service or military service. Just look at our recent history, not even recent, our, the entire history of our nation based on who we follow, our presidents. We, we used to love this idea that if we had a president and he had military service and if he was also the governor of something, so therefore he had both. Mm-hmm. And and we held that in high esteem, and I and to some degree we still do. So they were they were cl- highly aware of this, and they know it looks good, and and it, you know on, both on paper and in public. So they're definitely continuing that idea. Yeah, Julius Caesar. For anyone who's a history wonk like myself out there, he's the prime example. I would think for anyone who wants to play adventure to see how how does this game how is this game played, um, because. He was a noble from an up-and-coming family who had enough money who could he could throw into public works because that's what you did when you're a public figure. And yet he also knew that political power lay in his military pedigree. So he went and got a military position. And so he kind of climbs all these various rungs of education, public life, being a being in the military and giving out uh largesse to the public you know in the ter- in terms of food and and coin and he does all these things in order to kind of make his way up the ranks of the roman hierarchy and if you want to play venture i highly recommend at least just going and reading the wikipedia article and seeing kind of how he did it because that really is kind of the the heart and soul of how the venture perceive themselves in terms of you know, how, how do you gain power and how do you gain status and influence? It's this very old model, but it's a very, it's a very good one. It, it stood the test of time. Also, because of, they've had all this time to, to really work with that model of control and influence, leave it to the Ventru to really distill it down. The heart of this whole system is the concept of what they call dignitas. And it is something that is really hard to define but it essentially is a mixture of charisma and prestige, which goes back to the very heart of what Jen was just saying about Julius Caesar, is that he had both. Yes. So Dignitas, like you said, John, it's it's a mixture of both charisma 
and you know that ability to have a certain grace in the public eye to influence people and prestige but it also has an aspect of honor or saving face in there very middle eastern or or almost far eastern dignitas is not just the ability to sway people or to be respectable but it's also that you have a certain sense of honor as you do it so everything you do in your public life is to add to your dignitas and the more dignitas you have the more sway you have you can um if you have a great deal of dignitas you can get others to work for you you can get others to want to be on your side you can sway the public um, your dignitas is kind of your word of bond. If you're trying to make a negotiation and you are wanting to have a little bit of edge and a little bit of sway in this, you if you have greater dignitas than the other person, then chances are pretty high you're going to win that that negotiation. And your dignitas can be damaged. You don't want that dignitas damaged. It is it's sort of your political and social collateral. It is everything that represents you in a public sphere and for the venture this is like this is the the chips that they play with at the political game this is everything for them so at the heart and soul of what it means to be a venture it's your dignitas right dignitas is maybe not a word that the entire court of the Camarilla would know unless you know they're particularly knowledgeable of the Ventru but like Jen said it is definitely it encompasses all of that so even if you are just trying to sway the Gangrel and the Nosferatu to see your viewpoint you you are tapping into that Dignitas whether they know the name term or not but the thing is that the other Ventru do know that and so not only are you helping the clan out by getting that Nosferatu to give you some info but it also the superiors watching you are taking note. It's like Jen said, it's it's your your political and social collateral. It is your credit that somebody's keeping track of and you can really use it to your advantage the more you have. Yeah. And things like your reputation in court, your moral standing, your ethical worth, the the grace and poise that you show in public. All of that feeds into your dignitas, especially for for Ventru, who like see themselves as the natural leaders of the Camarilla. Everything about you is going to be about dignity and poise. And so you don't want to be uncultured. You don't want to lose your temper. You don't want to be angry, at least visibly. You don't want to be, seem as if you are you know, too callous or too kind, or there's all these things you have to keep in mind in terms of your dignitas. Before we start recording, John and I were talking about um, 19th century uh, British nobles and, and the education they went through. So that's another good example of like looking at them and what it meant to be, what could be to be considered a gentleman in British society. It's, it's that same concept of you must appear to be above it all. You cannot lose your cool. You you must appear to be compassionate without being too overtly friendly. Um, 
you know, if you ever watch Downton Abbey or Upstairs Downstairs, those all, you know, when they're preaching about what it means to be a gentleman, these are some of the things that they're preaching about. Not that they practiced it, but this is the concept of what's behind Dignitas. The clan themselves understand, you know, with the Roman roots and everything, they understood that Dignitas was a huge deal in terms of status, and especially status within the clan. And so, in doing so, they devised a system of ranks within the clan that just, just by saying that you are you have X title, instantly people in, of the clan, other Ventru, knew or know where your standing is, like how, how big of a deal you are. Yeah, how much dignitas do you have? So, I'll let, I'm going to let Jen handle all the uh, pronunciations yeah. when it comes to Latin. <laughs> Oh, you would. So as we've already mentioned, Dignitas is really the only way to have any political leverage in Clan Ventru. But it's not granted just because you're cool. You, you There is a level of expectation and responsibility that's inherent with having Dignitas. So if you're cool enough to earn it, then you're expected to continue to good, do good things for the clan and benefit others around you as befits someone who's in that kind of client patron relationship you're in. Right. That goes back to dealing with the, the, the plebeians, the, you know, the, the, the other lower clans. It, it is what I'm trying to say. It's not, it is elitism, but it's, it's, it's power with responsibility. It's the idea that just because I'm ruling over you, you got to trust me. I know what I'm doing because I will take care of you. Yeah, it's noblesse oblige. That's it. Noblesse uh, oblige. Yes. You know, you are in an exalted state, but I am obligated by my exalted state to have this relationship with you. Yes. And provide you with certain things. Yes. So the higher you rise and claim venture, of course, the more potential dignitas you're able to gain. And so because dignitas is sort of the be all end all of socio-political cred in clan venture younger venture wants to get more dignitas and are looking for ways to gain more of it it's sort of like status in the camaria it's like you when you're young and you're the the neonate you ain't got no street cred but you're looking for ways to get more street cred so the more you take on and the more you do for the clan and the more you succeed at it that's the key part you have to succeed the more dignitas you gain Right. And remember what Jin said about the client patron relationship as a as a role playing note. This is something that uh, I want everybody interested in Ventru to keep in mind is if you're new and you're younger and there are older Ventru in the game or at least ones with more dignitas, that's a key way to get involved with the story and gain dignitas for yourself. Because if you look good, they look good and they want you to do they want you to look good. Yeah, they want you to look good because it means they look good. Right. That gains you both dignitas. It's brilliant how that works. Absolutely. Isn't that neat? Yeah. Unfortunately, though, if you make a problem or a mistake, that means it's less dignitas for you and probably less for them. So uh -oh. you, yeah, you don't want that. Failure no. is almost worse than death for mm. a venture. Yeah, absolutely. Because of that, it's not just about making your own mistakes. It's your failures also reflect on who your patron is. So if you screw up, then it looks bad on them. And it will tarnish any legacy that you've built up. And probably their legacy too. 
And without your legacy of good deeds, of things that you have done to ennoble the clan, then you're pretty much nothing in Clan Ventrue. Yeah, and heaven forbid that your patron is also your sire. Ooh, yeah, that's bad. That's real bad. So, so basically, failure's not an option. <laughs> because without, if you fail, then you damage your legacy. If you don't have a legacy then you're nothing in Clan Ventrue. And, um, and you're disposable. So there you go. That you, it, Failure just is not an option for the Ventrue. Right. And also, as a player, I'm pretty sure that it goes without saying that if somebody is out to get you, you're going to keep, keep an eye on them. But remember, you do want to keep your enemies closer because if they get wind of how precious this Dignitas is and your schemes and how, how fragile they really are, that could be a real problem for you. So just yeah. keep that in mind. It's like, oh, they're not just after me. They're after me, my patron, and my clan. Yeah. And your sire and the whole nine yards. And the whole nine yeah. yards. That's right. Yep. So at the end of the night, it's all about the Dignitas. Uh, the Venture are... That's really what they're after. Sure, the Camry is great and serving vampiric kind. That's all well and good. But it's the standing you have and the legacy you create that is really meaningful for a Ventrue. So because of this, Ventrue take assaults and affronts on their Dignitas very seriously. Uh, wars have been fought over their Dignitas. If you've affronted the dignity of a Ventru, they will, they have fought wars. They have been known to demand the right to kill those who've insulted them. If you want to make an enemy for the rest of your life, then insult a Ventru's reputation and legacy. And therein lies the conflict between the Ventru and the Bruja. Oh, absolutely. Re remember Carthage, because they do. Remember Carthage. Yes. So, of course, with a group like the Ventru, with Dignitas being so important and the Familia and the client-patron system, they created their own system on how to handle these the in-clan affairs and ordering of these influences. And this is where the this is where the Latin names come in. So, Jen, I'm going to let you. Well, I will say in my defense, a lot of these are actually Greek names. Yeah, you know. I know words. I smart. It, it's a little bit of a mixture between uh, Greek and Latin. Um, and so, uh, some of them are, have their roots in ancient Athens of all places. And that's in part because the Romans idealized the Athenians. Do not tell the Bruja that because they will laugh so hard. The Venture, like we said, have a, a very structured clan order. They're not as bad as the Tremere. And when we get into the Tremere, oh boy. That'll be a, we have to have a whole episode just on their clan structure. But for the Venture, they do have, um, like I said, they, there is this course that's an honorium. And so there's different rungs of the ladder of clan Venture and how they are set up and different roles you can hold within the clan in order to keep all, everything in order and all these influences running. And if you want to be in the cool kids club, you have to gain more dignitas to get these different levels within the clan. So the first of the um, of the titles within Clan Venture was in ancient times known as the Ephorate. And in modern nights, they call it much more the Directorate. But, you know, Ephorate, if you hear in game Ephorate or Directorate, they're really the same thing. And these are the leaders of Clan Venture. And there's consists of the 12 of the most powerful Venture. And they manage all clan affairs across the globe 
And they set about punishing those who have offended the clan in really big ways. So, and that's not just within clan venture. That's also outside of clan venture too. So if there's someone who has really offended the clan as a whole, the effort, the directorate is the group that kind of oversees and handles that level of insult. And um, a good way to think of them is to think of them almost like the inner circle for Clan Venture, you know, the inner circle of the Camarillo, which is that highest level of of power and administration in the Camarilla. That is what the effort is for Clan Venture. They, yeah, like I said, they oversee the, the more global network of the clan. Well, and of course, they need some helpful right hands. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to attempt this. The Strategoi? Strategoi. Strategoi. Uh, also, uh, also known as the Elders. Yes. Yeah. Think of these guys as kind of the the justicars to the directorate. I might. Yes. Yes. They they definitely are the ones that work the will and uh, make sure that what they say gets done. So you definitely, if you hear that word thrown around, kind of be nice to them. You know, if you, that is, if you know who it is, because I would love to see that in a game. Somebody, you know, some elder is coming to town and you're just kind of mouthing off, and it's like, oh, oh boy, what did you just step in? Ooh, ooh, that wasn't good. Now, here's the thing with the Strategoi, is that they never take a Camarilla office. So they will never be a prince. They will never be a Justicar. They will never be an Archon. They work strictly within Clan Ventru. But they have that same level of dignitas as, say, a Justicar within Clan Venture itself. Not outside of Clan Venture, but within Clan Venture. So if an elder... Uh, if a strategoi shows up and they may or may not announce who and what they are and you go mouthing off to them, that's a bad day for you. I love that idea of of no conflicting uh, loyalties because I'm sure all Ventru are loyal to the Camarilla, but if they have an office to a particular city, which we'll get to because they do have city-specific levels, uh, then they, they can't do their job. Yeah. And honestly, for the Ventru, as much as they are, as they see themselves as the leaders of the Camarilla, it's pretty much going to be Ventru first. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, all those all those conspiracy theories of like a shadow government within the clan might not be conspiracy theories. Well, I hate to tell you this, I think most clans are going to be clan first, Camarilla, uh, maybe a distant second. Oh, that's true. That's true. We've already discussed that. With you know, yeah. So after the strategoi, there are the lictors, and lictors are sort of the field operatives for the strategoi, and they're kind of like the archons are to the justicars. Um, so they're doing the night to night operations for the elders. Um, they're you know, elders seldom go and get their hands dirty because that's why they're strategoi. They don't have to get their hands dirty. They have lictors to go and do that stuff for them. So lictors are the ones who are going out. They're they're the ones that if you're in a city and you're coming into Clan Venture leadership, the lictor is going to be the person you're probably going to run into the most. And they're going to be the ones doing the carrying the messages or overseeing the plans or maybe doling out the punishments. They're doing the the night to night operations and they're more or less like the clan's police force. They're dealing out the directives from on high and then giving those out uh, out to the people on the front lines. And then next we have the tribunes. These are the eyes and ears of the strategoi. Strategoi, right? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, right. And the the thing is, like, like these are the ones that you know the lictors may do the whipping, but the tribunes are the ones that do the tattling. Yeah, they're the eyes and ears. They keep their ear to the ground and they keep their eyes open. And you know, I mean, ultimately, they they serve the was it Ephorot? Ephorot. Ephorot. Yeah. But they answer and and re, you know relay everything through the strategoi. They're they're their main point of contact. Um, chances are. Right, Jen. That that the Tribune, it does it go in that order? Like Tribune says, "Hey, Lictor, I've got some something to report," and he's like, "Okay, I'll set an appointment with the Strategoi." Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and then so on up. Yeah, the Tribune is kind of the person who more or less kind of a surveyor to the Lictor. So, as an Archon has a surveyor in a town who de- kind of does things for the Archon and keeps an eye on things and reports back to the Archon of things are going on. That's why a Tribune is in any city to Elector. Tribunes are keeping an eye on the rest of the clan. They're keeping their eyes and ears out. They're, they are reporting back to the Lictors and to the Strategoi of, you know, what's been going on and what's been happening. And, you know, you want to make sure they're giving good reports about you to the clan and, and what's been going on in the city. So, you, it, 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 chances are high that a lictor won't necessarily always be in your city because the lictors are often off traveling and doing things for the clan. You don't know if there's a tribune in your city or not. Maybe they announce themselves. Maybe they don't. But the tribune is is always going to be answering to the to the lictor and the higher members of the clan. Now, can a tribune take an office in a city? Um, tribunes can take office. There is really, it's only the, the highest upper levels that are going to be usually not taking an office. A tribune, uh, a tribune can, I highly doubt a tribune would be a prince in a city because then you, then we're starting to talk about some conflicting interests, but you know, maybe you're a primogen, maybe you're a, a, a harpy, maybe you are um, some other lesser court official and, you know, and you're also that which puts you in some prime position, actually, if you're wanting to feed back up to the Lictor, because if you're, say, the harpy of the city and you're getting all the information about the entire domain filtering through to you, then that makes reporting back to your Lictor of some of the happenings going on very, very easy. Right. And I would I would think that if you're going to have a tribune in the city it would behoove them to probably have them in like the major major cities like all the port towns heavily mm-hmm. trafficked air traffic towns that way you, it also you can, like again eyes and ears you can have all that information flowing through so you don't kind of you don't skip a beat yeah and you have to assume that in most major metropolitan areas in the world anywhere there's there is a nexus of of power, political power, social power, and financial power, there is probably going to be at least a tribune, if not a lictor there. And speaking of cities, now we're going to get talk about the city-level Ventru um, office structures, if you will. Yes. So classically, in any particular domain, uh, the Ventru have been organized around the Gerousia, or the board. The board is the term that you will hear most commonly because it's more modern and for most of you players, it's easier for you to remember. Only the oldest and most like tight ass of elders is going to use Garusia. Okay. Um, but basically the board is 
made up largely of the Ventru who are in charge of running all the clan matters in the city. And they control all the clan influence. They direct where that influence is going to go. They kind of drive the entire direction of the clan in the city. This is basically how any Ventru in any city or any large area would organize themselves. If you're a Ventru in an area that doesn't have a, a board there, well, you better go find it. Because this is how, this is the basics of how the Ventru just run on a basic domain level. And seeing as how if you are in a city and there is a board present that membership is by invitation only, be sure to, as a player, I'm sure you do this anyway as a Ventru, but find a niche with your influence and kind of kind of be the guy or girl or, or kindred with that influence. And then chances are you gain enough dignitas, you might be getting a little letter by hand delivered by somebody's ghoul. So yeah, uh, like you said, John, it is, being a member of the board is by invitation only. So only the board can invite you to sit on the board. Um, the board can call meetings of just themselves, or they can meet, call meetings of the entire clan, but they're the, the major adjudicating body uh, in, in terms of clan conflicts. They're also the main body in terms of deciding issues of larger clan business within within a, any city so and while it's an honor to serve on the board and it boosts your dignitas to serve on the board and uh, the the council actually has little form little formal power to directly back up any of their orders outside of the fact that they have more dignitas and uh, some of them could be elders you know your elders not as in strategoi, but like your elders. And they could pretty much ruin your life if they wanted to. But yeah, it's definitely, it definitely behooves you to keep, stay in the board's good graces because they also, because they have so much sway over the influences of a city, they also have a measure of protection that they can afford. Is it just, it's not just the members, right? It's all been true. Yeah, I mean, with they have a certain pr amount of protection, but they also are protecting the other Ventru under them. If you don't have their protection as a Ventru, if you decide as a Ventru, I'm just going to go and do it on my own without the board's consent, they don't, they can't really stop you. Okay. Um, and uh, the classic example of this is actually um, found among the Anarchs, and that's Louis Fortier. Oh, Louis. Louis is a, a favorite because living in L.A., we've we've we know Louis well living in Los Angeles. But Louis is a an anarch venture. He has chosen to go on his own. So he's not being protected by the board. So everything he does is completely up to him. And there are no other larger vent or more powerful venture guiding what he does uh, that we know of. So you can, in theory, as a Ventru, do it on your own without the without the board guiding and directing you. But if you do it on your own, that means you don't have the board protecting you. And so if your influences get assaulted or seized, if someone comes in and starts, uh, you know, taking your influence network away from you, you don't have that protection of the board to help you out. So definitely, definitely want to stay in their good graces. Definitely play ball because it'll help you in the long run, especially if you're doing an influence game within a city. Just, you know, treat them, treat them kind of like, you know, the CEOs of the clan in the city. It's like, oh, hey, I've got a business venture I want to do. Well, let me get a meeting. 
Next, we have something called the Praetor. Did I say that right? The Praetors. Just Praetor. Or mm-hmm. Manager. Again, I like that one. Board, manager. Now, these guys are just, they're the ones that are in charge of running the city affairs. Not so much at the level of the board. But these are the kind of guys that can, they can be the prince, seneschal, what have you. They're the ones that are high ranking in the power of the clan within that city. Yeah. So if you have a venture prince of the city, chances are they're a praetor um, within the clan structure of clan venture. So yes, they are a prince of the Camarilla on one hand, but within clan venture, they're also the praetor. They're the manager. They're the one who's guiding and directing they're basically like the chair of the board. I think that's a great terminology to to use. Um, they say manager, but manager kind of connotes someone who's mid-level, just kind of doing stuff that other people are directing them to. Right. And I think, honestly, the better the better equivalent is the chair of the board within the city. They're the person who's really pushing the direction of the clan and the major themes of what the clan is going to be doing in any particular domain. So the Praetor must always be an elder and they must have an unimpeachable dignitas. Like you have to have like lily white dignitas and more than anyone else. And you are, have to have a great deal of support from your other peers in the clan because that dignitas is what not only puts you in charge but it's how you get things done it's why they listen to you and then these guys they don't have any power beyond what they already have themselves but they tend to use their own influences yeah jen that the ceo thing that that's definitely perfect because they use their own funds their own influence to get meeting spaces for the board they're the ones that make sure that the rich and famous are kind of around them they're also the one, I mean, their responsibilities in guiding and managing the affairs of the clan in the city definitely go hand in hand with prince and CEO. Yeah, I mean, you're the person who's, you are showing off the wealth and influence of the clan and you're doing it in a particular way, in a particular direction. So, you know, it, the chair of the board, that's, that. I think, I, that's why I said, I think that's a much better relative term to kind of help you understand what a praetor's whole role is. Praetors don't have any formal power or responsibilities outside of just guiding the clan and managing the night-to-night affairs of the clan and, you know, basically being the biggest head honcho at the table, you know. They're the they're the person sitting at the head of the board. But they do serve as the chair of the board when it's meeting. So when you're having a formal meeting and you're having votes, they're the person in charge. They're the chair. They're the one who's running the meeting and kind of setting the agenda for how this is going. And if there's a tie in terms of a vote, they're the tiebreaker. So they're they're large and in charge. That is what the Praetor is. And they can hold this position indefinitely. Only the efforts and the Stratego can remove them. So, you know, just as a Justicar or an Archon can remove a prince from a domain... Only the effort or the strategoi can remove uh, the the praetors from the head of the board. So if your praetor is doing great, then you're in for as long as you want to be. But if your praetor who's kind of fallen on your face, then they may just remove you. And not necessarily in a good way. They're not going to be giving you no golden parachute. Now, now I have a question about that. Um, how... 
you know, say that the you in particular as the uh, the chairman of the board, you're not doing so great, but the clan in the city is doing very well. How how would like an effort or a strategoi hear about it? Like, does this go back to like the tribunes? Would would somebody on the board, you know, snitch to a tribune, which shoots it up the ladder, and then they come and investigate? Yeah, it's it's you go snitch to a tribune, and you let try to let the effort know, and then hope that that your dignitas and your word is great enough for them to listen to, because that's the danger. So, if you are, let's just say you have a praetor who. You know, the clan's doing well, but it's it's all because of your work and not the Praetor. But the Praetor's taken all the credit. Then you can go to a tribune and say, hey, this is completely bunk. I've been doing all this work, not the Praetor over there. Why is he getting all the credit when it's really me? You can do that and you can let the tribune know and hope that when it gets up to the effort that they side with you or they could just see you as being a a mouthy loudmouth upstart and smack you down for it it's kind of a catch-22 so if you're gonna go that route and you're gonna snitch on a praetor to try and get them removed you better have an ironclad plan whether that is you know buying off some people or paying uh, off some some stuff with some influences or promising to like enslave yourself to a member of the effort, whatever you got to do, you better, you better have an ironclad case before you start whipping that out. Because if it backfires, it backfires big. Oh yeah. Yeah. Remember the dignitas is the thing. Yes. So the praetors within a domain, a praetor is going to have a lieutenant or a series of lieutenants. And these are called aediles. So an aedile is basically the messenger for the Gerusia, the board, and the praetor. And they give out the instructions to the other members of Clan Ventru about what it is that the board wants them to do. And what's the new direction? What's the direction the board is going in? You can think of them almost like uh, if if you're thinking in in a company structure, you know, you'll have a board of directors and underneath the board, you'll usually have like vice presidents or executive directors. That's what an aedile is. They're the person who gets the instructions from the board and has to go out, share it with everybody and work together to get it executed. So an aedile, basically, they're there to keep an eye on what the like lowest ranking members of the clan are up to they handle the night-to-night business of the clan and they're um you know helping to direct the influence of the clan's interests they're they're gonna they're in the nitty-gritty they're in the down and dirty of doing the night-to-night stuff for the clan in any domain and they are always given directives from the praetor and the board and just like a praetor is typically always an elder, you know, don't worry, Clan Ventru, they don't they don't keep the uh, the generation out of it. The the eight aisles, they're typically ancillae, so it's kind of like just the next rung down, you know, little little middle management to give them something to do. No, I'm kidding. They're more important than that. But but it is. It's like they're the ancilla, so it's kind of like they're the up and coming. They're 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 hungry for it. They want to please the boss. Yeah, they're they're the middle management. I think that's the best term. If you can say the praetor is the chair of the board and the the board is the board, then an aedile is that middle management level of a company who's there to ensure that what 
the board once happens, but they're the ones who are actually where the board thinks conceptually, the A dial has to actually figure out a way of executing it. Oh, well, that's good. A little more responsibility. Yeah. And that's why they're usually always Ancilla, because by that point, a vampire is old enough and has shown that they have enough common sense, but also ha- um, have built an- up enough of a network themselves that they can actually get this stuff done. A neonate, it would, it would be tough for a neonate to be able to perform on this level. You'd have to be a particularly skilled and influential neonate to be able to be an A-dial. And because of that responsibility, they are... A-dials are nominated either by the Praetor or the board, and there's no limit to how many there can be, although rarely, there's really more than three in any city. Yeah, because if you get too many of them, then, you know. Oh, yeah. Too many cooks. <laughs> there's not, there's too many cooks, there's not enough work to do, and then they're all backstabbing each other to try and, like, outdo the other, and it's better to just have a few trusted ones who can do the work well. That's right. Too many cooks. Do, 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 do. So, sorry, sorry. I digress. So then beyond the eight aisles, you have the Quaestors. Uh, They're also known as the Foremen. And these are young Ventru who are up and coming. So these can be neonates, but usually they're older neonates or younger Ancilla. And they're Ventru who are hungry. They're hungry and they want to prove themselves. And so they have drive and will to to do what it takes to grow the clan and succeed. If you're a young Ventru and you are wanting to prove yourself in the clan, you might receive a promotion into the Quaestors and you might start getting some some sort of more significant um, projects to do. So like maybe in thinking corporate terms, maybe like a, a project manager or a project coordinator, you're, you're given a big account and it's your first big account and it's only the one, but you, you get to prove yourself with this big account. It's an opportunity for those young and hungry venture that want to climb the uh, the corporate ladder of the inner you know inner workings of their clan to definitely prove themselves when given the responsibility. Uh, but also keep in mind that within the clan, this is kind of like the what's the next up from entry level position. It's kind of like the assistant. You're the executive assistant, and you're me. You're, you're, you're you. Me. I'm an executive assistant. Jen, are you a Quaestor? <laughs> I am. I didn't want to tell you guys, but yeah, totally am. I knew it. That's okay. Your secret's safe with us. Don't tell anybody. Okay. But you definitely have, you you have no real power yourself, but except for the position, because people know that you kind of, you'll have the ear of an elder or two, but it's also, if you're not careful, it's also a target on your back because, because you are young enough to still be messed with. Yeah. So the great thing about this position is that while it has no real authority over the rank and file, you actually are in a pretty sweet position with some of the more powerful members of the clan in a domain. So you have their ear and, you know, maybe you can drop something into the ear of your of your of the person you're working for and say, oh, hey, by the way, I heard that, um, you know maybe investing in this company might be a might be a good thing you know i I know somebody who knows a few things about it and i think it's a good choice boss you know that is the level of what a quaestor is you you're you have the potential of going up and rising within the clan but you don't really have a lot of power yet you don't but you may be able to like 
maybe drop a little influence here or a little influence there. I, 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 I've never done this in my work with my, my executive. No, no, of course not. Never, ever, never, ever, ever, ever. ever. Never. But yeah, that's the level of what the Quay store is. And then finally, last but, well, maybe least in some cases, uh, how do you pronounce this, Jen? The iron. Iron. Yes. That's everybody else. Everybody else. Rank and file. Nothing special. You're the plebs. Yeah. You're the plebeians. You are the... There's nothing particularly special about you in Clan Venture outside the fact that you're Venture, which automatically makes you special. You don't get any special status or dignitas. Often you are the younger members of the clan who you've not proven yourself, you know. So you're expected to basically do what is the most basic level stuff for any Ventru. All Ventru are expected to do certain things. And the, and all, all they expect out of you is to live up to the to these expectations. You're expected to, of course, expend your noblesse, noblesse of leash, which all venture are expected to do. And you're expected to comply with the Quaestor when they ask, or if another high-ranking venture asks you to do something, or if they give you an order, you're expected to jump right up and do it. But here's the thing. No one has the power to force you into doing anything but if you have a desire to maybe raise in the ranks of Clan Ventru, or if you want them not to make your life miserable, then it's probably better to do what they ask. Even though that they don't really have a lot of power to force you into it, it's just better to go along with it, right? So you can be a Ventru who does not have any rank or title in the clan. There is nothing wrong with that. You can be a Ventru who's like, I'm sitting here. I've got my little political influence or my financial influence and I'm busy growing it over here and I'm happy just doing this and I never want to be a Quaestor and I never want to sit on the board and I never want to go hang out with the Ephraim. That's fine. You can be one of those venture. But just know that they still exist out there. So you still have to account for to them on some level. So even if you're like, I, you know, I, I don't care about growing my dignitas. Some other venture does very much. And they're going to probably want you to do something for them or help them out or, you know, whatever. And it's in your best interest to probably do it. I mean, who doesn't want to help the, you know, help their buddy? Well, as as you guys might have guessed, that with all this clan culture of the noblesse oblige and the dignitas and the the ancient Greco-Roman Curtius Orinium or Norium, Curtius Honorium, Honorium, uh, and of course with the millennia of just the 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 way that this the gears have been working in this machine, the the idea that the Ventru they're kind of unique in their idea of their right to rule because they you know they look around they're like well nobody else is really you know stepping up and doing this to the level we have we have the structure we've built this up yeah they believe they're the rightful leaders of of kindred society they are the shining example of what it means to be noble leaders 
And that belief is so strong that, that it really ties back into what Jen just finished saying about, you know, the rank and file. It behooves you and you are expected to help because they don't want any open conflict. You, they don't, you are encouraged to not openly work against another clan member and to support each other and all things that the clan wants to do. Yeah, I mean, well, pretty much most clans have some level of association with each other. They all, most clans have an agreement that, hey, clan first, everybody else second, right? So they tend not to work against each other. For the Ventrue, it's, this is perhaps the strictest. I would say may, oh, the Tremere may be even more straight. Eh, it's a little trick. It's a little, it's a little different in Tremere. But the Ventrue are probably one of the most strict clans about this. And because they're hyper-focused on this concept of dignitas and status, they are. it makes them very ambitious. As a clan, they just can be very ambitious. But when you have that many ambitious people in a room together, then that can lead to chaos and anarchy really quick. So um, it's best to have this rule else you would be busy tearing each other apart and and everyone out for themselves and then nothing gets done yeah to keep going with this like all the business metaphors they have a a quote-unquote non-competitive clause when sort of like when you are released into the clan and 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 the domain and and the chemery at large you're sort of understood that yeah you you already signed this in blood so good luck yeah it's you know you agree to help each other out in all things no matter how annoying or inconvenient it is no matter how much you don't like that guy at least openly you look like you're supporting him now what you're doing behind his back that may be different but in, in public face, it's it's the idea of I'm supporting my clanmate. With your public face, this, again, it goes back to the idea that the, the Ventrue are so, they, they place such a high premium on gentility and etiquette that even more so in some cases than the Toreador, because as we discussed back in the Toreador episode, the sky's the limit with how many different kinds of those guys you get. Their, their sense of decorum is just so present because they have to as a whole clan they have to present that front of good breeding yes we know what we're talking about we are educated as a as a group and you can trust us it's that idea of your dignitas isn't just a ephemeral concept it shows in your very bearing and how right. you approach uh, your relations with other people and your conversation and in your dress i mean it's it's a big deal so yeah, Venture have a tendency for following complex rules of etiquette. It depends on your rank and your status and your age. In Europe, these rules are even more pronounced because in Europe, it, it, it was a much bigger deal. So, so in some of the bigger courts, the major courts in Europe, such as London or Berlin, they have very complex rules of etiquette and who do you talk to and how do you approach them and what do you say when you approach them and on and on and on and on. In North America, they have uh, a tendency to kind of slim those rules down a little bit. It can still be kind of formal, but it's a little bit more relaxed as well. And in, in some ways, it kind of reflects the difference between the European monarchy and the American democracy. It's it's that idea that in, you know, in Europe, you have to like bow certain ways and use certain protocol and you have to like 
be talk to this person and this person and this person before you even get to the prince and when you approach the prince you can't look at the prince and you have to you know bow a certain way in america most princes will never be doing that so for the venture yeah they've relaxed it a little bit here in north america but still it's the idea of of etiquette you you never step out of line as a venture and in fact you probably know the etiquette as good or better than most the toreador because for the toreador it can be artistic to throw etiquette out the window but the venture would never do that ever oh those tories right no especially um as you said in a american culture uh, formalities may be a little more lax but one thing that is definitely i would say probably paramount among american uh politicking is politeness it's the idea that it's not just being nice it's also keeping in mind this idea of verbal compromise it's the idea that i'm talking to you and i know you want something and i want something so we're going to keep the level of conversation civil and we're going to discuss this and and we're going to try to work this out because i don't want your feathers getting ruffled you don't want my feathers getting ruffled buddy so, you know, there have been many uh, a, a quarrel that has been just smoothed over by just simple politeness. Because also, if you're genuine with it, which if you're good at it, you are, it definitely goes a long way. Like saying you're talking to that angry bruja and somebody says something, they take him off and you come up and you're like, hey, but we've got to work together. That simple, I mean, it sounds simple, but it's really not. You know, being Mm-mm. polite is, is, a, is another thing that the Vendru have mastered as a way of moving through society. And I feel I need to quote Sondheim, or at least paraphrase Sondheim a little bit here. Being polite is not the same thing as being nice. It is, it is being polite and, um, and showing a level of, of grace and dignity. Whereas a uncouth person who is not up to the standards of the venture may be rude or cut people off for losing their temper you always are polite and you know how to gauge the situation and be diplomatic and shows it's it's very much a, a a way of showing your dignitas and your worth above you know the rabble that, that you have self-control yeah and continuing with that it's also the idea that even uh, we discussed it earlier too about moving up within the ranks of the clan the idea that again this word dignitas, re- really, we are, we're not just driving it home or hammering it into the ground. It is key to being Ventru. It's the idea of the part of that politeness and that diplomacy is keeping your head, keeping tempers cool, keeping your head. Definitely keep, you know, understanding the rules of the etiquette. When you're at an Elysium or a salon, you know, understand what is formal, what is informal, and, and going from there on how to, you know, just how to act like a Ventru. A good word to throw in here, um, and this is from the world world of politics, and that's protocol. Protocol is basically a, a series of different rules of etiquette and ways of acting in a situation when especially when you have two people of this of the same power, or if you have a person of a particular level of power and a person of a lower level of power. But it's the way they can that people of of who have their own dignitas, shall we say, can interact with each other in particularly formal ways by, and still maintaining their dignitas and their relationships. And so the venture have this down to a science. So then the way you act and the way you dress and the, how you speak 
and the way you address each other. And um, so, you know, the venture will oh, tend to always act in ways that re- are engaged in this protocol. And if they don't, then there's a reason for that. And then you have to ask yourself, why, why are they being nice to me? <laughs> you know, An elder will usually know all the secret code protocol. Neonate, not so much. Neonates would be really hard pressed to know all the rules because so much of it is is learned and so much of it is it's experiential but that's why a neonate will have an elder as a patron because the elders know it and so the elders will be like come here my chilled come here you little neonate you're a complete idiot and we can't trust you out in court yet but come here and we'll train you and we'll teach you how to play the game Yes, the the venture are definitely because it again it all goes back to that honor keeping the keep saving face of the clan it, it, the the image that they project your your patron be it your sire or somebody that's taken an interest in you the venture are keen on teaching and they will they will show you with all there are tons of rules spoken and unspoken between venture on how you act dress speak everything that you wear to a board meeting when you're addressing a, a, a visiting, you know, visiting Ventru to your domain. These are things that you will learn. The Ventru, um, if you haven't been able to figure out, <laughs> are very big on history. And, and I respect that as a historian. I too am very big on history. Super big. But in particular, they're obsessive about their clan history. The rest of your clan histories, eh, might be interesting. Really, they care mostly about clan venture clan history and the lore and the bloodlines and everything that goes in it. But even more than their history, they're also super particular about bloodlines that make up the clan. And who are you descended from? So, I mean, venture, we've established they're patricians, they're nobles. And like nobles anywhere, they care about who's your family? Who are your people? You know, where did you come from? Who was your ancestor way back in ye old days? You know, where was your sire's bloodline descended from? And who you come from in terms of who your sire is and who their sire is and who their sire is, it means something to the venture and it means something for you and your status in the clan. Because especially because as the venture figured out, certain traits can manifest in certain bloodlines descending through the clan depending on who your Methuselah ancestor your third or fourth generation ancestor was so for example if your fourth generation ancestor was Mithras uh, of London and uh, you and your entire line is descended from Mithras then you uh, tend to be very observant of the commands of the elders and you have great courage under fire right and that's just particularity of Mithras's bloodline but if you're a descendant of Alexander of Paris who's another fourth generation venture then they're said to uh, conduct themselves with uh, extreme poise and grace and have a, a particular skill in oration and public speaking. So that's a particular mark of the descendants of Alexander of Paris. And the venture pay attention to these things because it shows it, basically it's the blood 
will out. The blood shows in who you are. And are you a good example of your bloodline? Are you worthy of those who have come before type of thing? Now, this is something I always I found uh, very interesting because this right here is sort of about as mystical as the Ventru get because it's the idea of, you know, legend versus fact, I guess. The idea of, of Mithras, you know, being great courage under fire. Is that true? Is it actually, you know, brought down through the blood? Or is it simply breeding, if you will? It, it, do they look for these traits in the, pe the, the people that they're going to bring across and embrace? And they just cultivate it after the fact. It, it's that nature versus nurture argument. Right. Is it... Is it in the nature of the blood or do, like you said, do they look for people who have that quality in that particular bloodline? Like people who are the bloodline of Mithras just go look for people, tend to go look for people who fit these qualities. And people who are of the bloodline of Alexander Paris, they tend to look for people who fit these qualities. I don't know. It could be like even odds. It could be a little bit of both. Right. Well, and, you know, there's an argument to be said for all the gentry because... You know, the noblesse oblige goes a long way with dealing with how they, they, they comport themselves in public because you may have that breeding in you, but it's also how you were taught. And here, like in everything in Clan Ventrude, that dignitas factors in again, and it factors in a big way because some some bloodlines are said to have more dignitas than others. Again, your behavior is important because it reflects not only on you, but your sire and your patron and your entire bloodline all the way back to Mithras or Alexander or whoever you're descended from. So uh, entire bloodlines, especially if there's a bloodline that is a branch off a bloodline that has consistent problems, they're like, hmm, well, the blood ran true to this point. But after that, that branch kind of mm, that was a rotten one. Let's saw that one off it's a, a little bit of social darwinism going on there and of course as we said nature versus nurture this is over two millennia the clan has found a way to train all fledglings and and fledglings are you, you know i think we talked about it before before you're after you're embraced but before you're released of your own recognizance you've got this period of of, of learning you got to figure out how the unlife works and in true to fashion, you know, I'm sure the Tremere do something similar, but the Ventru, I mean, they've developed a, a, a whole regime based on, hey, we are going to teach you how to do this, buddy. You are going to be a Ventru and that's it. Yeah, uh, the Ventru are very strict about about their training regimens. They don't just let embrace you, give you some blood, say, great, you're a vampire now. Here's the laws of the Camarilla. Best of luck. It, it, the Venture are pretty much the complete opposite of the gay girl. Uh, the Tremere probably are the only other group who has a, a training regimen akin to this. But yeah, once uh, you're as once you're embraced as a fledgling, you must go through this entire regimen. It's known as a, an agog or an agog, depending on how you want to pronounce it. I think it, my my ancient Greek professor's probably over here screaming agoge, and I'm like, uh, who cares? It's a training regimen, right? <laughs> Um, I'm glad you said it. Basically, it's a it's a whole uh, training like course, trying to ensure that you, the fledgling, don't step foot into a court or in public without having been been properly educated about who you are 
and who your sire is and what your clan is and what they're all about and what the hell is even going on. So it's, I basically like to think of it as Ventru finishing school. It is, it's that concept of, you know, a fin- for the, the upper classes, they have finishing school that where the, you know, you go and you learn which salad, which fork to use on a salad and, um, you know, which knife you use to butter your roll with. That's essentially what's going on here. It's like you learn how to, how to speak, how to address other people. Who, who can you address? At what level of status can you address the, the, an elder of the course, you know, on and on and on and on. Right. And this also, this also goes back to the bloodlines where every sire has a different way of doing it. Their education is dependent on their background and where they come from. And it can take many forms. The constant is that it exists. Every Ventru does it. Every Ventru goes through it. And it, it just depends on what your sire expects of you and, and what their their methods are. Yeah. And it's not just about teaching you etiquette. It's also about teaching you your place in kindred society and in mortal society. Like, what is your place as a Vent- member of Clan Venture among the mortals? And what are the expectations being set for you? Yeah, again, John said it, your education kind of depends on who your sire is and what their background is. Some like to throw information at their child, their children, and then quiz them. So, sort of the Socratic method. So, when you're uh, out in a nightclub and you run into a, a mortal and they look tempting, and you're kind of hungry, what do you do? You know, kind of quiz them in the classic philosophical style. Um, others might actually like have a full on course with like oh, PowerPoint with a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> and then your final is to go out there and execute whatever they just taught you on. It depends on the sire and it depends on the venture of the city. Really? No matter how they present it to you, no matter how the information goes, whether they're holding your hand every step of the way and it's a real like mentor student type of relationship or it's the Socratic method or whatever, really failure is not an option. It's not an option for a fledgling. At best, you, you know, you would be insulted for getting your les- your lessons wrong. That's the best case scenario. Someone like really insulting you and making you cry. The worst case scenario is your sire could just kill you. Right. You don't want that to happen. Yeah. I mean, a sire might hold back a fledgling who's not progressing fast enough. And if you don't do it quickly or completely, they could just be like, well, I've tried. Enough of that. And then you're dead. So because Ventru will not waste their blood and their potential and their influences on someone who's going to fail them. That's just not how they operate. So when you're a sire, you um, have to at least make sure that your child is not going to make a total mess of themselves out in public. Because when they make a mess of themselves, it reflects badly, not just on them. It reflects badly on you and your sire and your entire bloodline all the way back to Mithras. So you need to make sure they've got their stuff together. And Absolutely. And once a sire is sure that they're at least not going to screw up in public, then they're given their special Ventru training and then taken to be presented before the board. Because the board, being the most powerful Ventru of the city need to essentially sign off on you. They need to make sure that you're not going to embarrass them once you're formally 
introduced to the prince and the entire court of the Camarilla of that domain. And sometimes the board will say, oh, hey, they need even more training. Um, or they may want them to have more specialized training. And then you have to go back to the board. And then the board also has to vote. And then when the board votes, then... Um, and it's a formal vote. I mean, this is a whole process. It, it's, it's, it's almost like at a company when you are interviewing somebody for a position and, you know, they have to meet with, you know, not just their boss, but their boss's boss. And then they have to meet with the, the, you know, boss's boss's boss. And then they have to meet the president and then they have to interview with the board. That's, that's what is going on here. You take your chill before the board. You have them be interviewed by the board. The board gets to decide, are they ready to move on or do they still need more training? And then when the board feels they are ready, then they have a vote and say, yes, this child passes muster. Once they've had that vote and say, yes, thumbs up onto the child and the praetor um, approves this, then the, the praetor goes and asks the child a series of questions. You know, who is your sire? Who is your bloodline? You know, what, you know, what is your history? What is the history of Clan Ventru? So basically what the Praetor is doing is they want to make sure that your child knows their history, the history of their bloodline, the history of Clan Ventru, the traditions of the masquerade of the Camarilla, and the laws of the clan. And if, and they need to be able to recite all of those things and recite them perfectly because if they don't the praetor can go mm, no not done yet or nah we're not going to approve this one get rid of them it's only after the praetor has gone through this test of asking them their history of their bloodline and you know the laws of the Camarilla and the masquerade and all these things only when the praetor is happy that the situation looks like this child knows what they're talking about that only then can they be approved by the clan formally and then then the clan tells the sire your child is ready to be released you there you are no longer responsible uh over the you're no longer responsible responsible as the sire over this fledgling they now can be considered a neonate on their own and this is where the concept of accounting comes in because a sire, the law of accounting in the Camarilla is that a sire is responsible for their chilled and clan venture. You're uh, you as the sire are responsible for your, ch your chilled until the praetor signs off on it. And once the praetor signs off on it, the board has voted. The praetor signs off on it. That chill chilled is now no longer a fledgling. You can present your chilled at court to the prince for them to have acknowledgement as a member of the Camarilla. It's this whole long process. You got that right. Jeez. This is why I hate office jobs. I know, right? It's like it's worse than your 180 day review. I mean, because this could be a, a tradition is it's a year and a day. But for some venture, it can be anywhere from a year and a day to 10 years. Oh, my God. Depends. Depends on the, the venture, the sire, the bloodline. Depends on the court, the, the praetor. It depends on all these things. So when the child is finally released, 
they have met the accounting they're released and can be formally acknowledged as a vampire in their own right then the venture tend to like to have a party they like to have a debutante party it's a coming out party Right, or some, as some neonates colloquially call it, the death day party. Because some sires like to have the party on, like you said, that's why it's like a year and a day. Because it's sort of the anniversary of when they were embraced. Yeah, a lot of Venture will do it on the anniversary of when they're embraced. Right, so it, it marks the occasion. You know, Ventures are nothing if not if they don't have a sense of occasion. They do. And it's usually a very formal affair. I mean, we're talking swank. They get out the the best china for this one, right? They they go hire a, and it's usually at a fancy place with all the accoutrements. It's very 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 elite, very very swanky, and only the best of the best will be invited to this party. Sometimes it's only clan ventru. Um, a lot of times it's open to uh, other members of the court, but it's always invitation only. Not just anyone can go to a, a death day party, especially depending on the rank of the sire. Because let's just say this is the prince of the city and it's their chill that's being released. Well, then only the the most elite people are going to be invited to that. If it's just some average venture, then maybe it, it might be a little bit smaller of, a, of an affair. I, in either case, it's definitely a way for the new child to be introduced and possibly even shown off a little bit. You know, it, it, and it's also a great way to see how they're going to act in, in a social function, especially if other clans are invited. Yeah, it's like I said, it's a it's the debutante ball. It is the way to show off how your child has this decorum and breeding and polish and, you know. And it, you know, and it, it's it's a way of showing yourself off too. Like, hmm, look, look how good I am at picking children. Like, look how good of a sire I am at training them up. Like, you know, it, it it's a way for show, to show off to the others. Not just your chilled, but the breeding of your bloodline. And for new players, you know, just keep in mind, especially if you're playing like that neonate that's recently released, breathe that sigh of relief because if you made it this far, chances are you, you've got it. You're 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 going to be a member of the clan. You didn't fail. Step one, successful. You've gotten the achievement. Yeah. if you want to get a hold of us outside of our normal podcast hours you can find us at podcast by night on facebook you can also find us on twitter at by night podcast or you can email us with any questions thoughts uh opinions you know anything you want to communicate to us you can do that at podcast by night at gmail.com